Or what's the actual Oscar theme? We tr- literally looked this up last yeah, time. Yeah, I know. It's it's not, all right, we're not going to bore the audience with this <laughs> no, not, again. Not again. Uh, yeah, it's... What do you think of this for... Because we're doing it every year. For your consideration 2018. That should be the name of our Oscar podcast. Okay. I'm sure it's already an Oscar podcast that exists out there. This is just the name of our Oscar yeah. specific. And ideally, episode. this will be released before July and people... Yeah, <laughs> presumably... But we're going to be doing our Oscar discussion. I even took the liberty of putting all the Oscar movies in cards so we can open up and discuss the movies at random. Okay. In like a way, almost like we're reading the winners. Ooh. So, a little fun little way to do it. I was also going to get like burritos and La La Land. The one that we did. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) This is too much work. (laughs) Just a tray of burritos. I'm like, well, that's what we did with Hot Pockets the first year, wasn't it? We had to Which I wasn't a big fan of. To no, begin we, with. we went for something different. We're evolving as a show. And that's, I think, the important thing. This we're one actually has real stakes that I'm concerned about, as opposed to just both of us eating seven Hot Pockets, <laughs> no matter what happened. Well, I'll say this. I was very confident halfway through the month. I did not realize we were into March already. I really thought there was another week that I Okay. Had. So I don't know how well I'm going to do on this or not. We shall see. Do you want to pick one out here? And sure. Just to see if it's one. Go with any. All of them are here. Oh, they're not sealed, so we don't get the, like, strip no, sound. but they don't generally do that, so. Call me by your name. Didn't see. Didn't see it. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I really wanted to. I, that was a calculated risk. I was like, I don't think it's going to win, and it looks pretty gay. I wanted to see it. It was one of those ones I was planning to see, like, this next week. Mm-hmm. and just didn't have the time to because I just thought it was another week left. So, unfortunately, I did not get to see it. So, uh-huh. that's one down. We didn't see it. We're gay haters, I guess. <laughs> Dunkirk. Did see. Dunkirk, I did not see. Okay. I figured I wouldn't even bother. This is off getting to a, a good start <laughs> for Christopher. Yeah, I'm two in the hole. <laughs> so, what was Dunkirk? Give your thoughts on it. All right. The tale. Uh, let me do like the 30 second version of the synopsis. This is pre America jumping into World War II, right after France is all but surrendered. And basically, the entire British, or the vast majority of the British army is stranded on the coast of France trying to get back to Britain. Mm-hmm. And the German army is coming in, and all hopes are, are pretty dim at this point. Like, the I think there's. Is seventy thousand British troops on the coast, which okay. is the actually might be like ninety or hundred thousand. The vast majority of their army, and their best hope is like, well, let's get like ten thousand off, and that'll be at least hopefully enough to defend to stop the Nazis from actually landing on Britain. And uh, you know, obviously these are all spoilers. If you haven't seen these movies, stop. Yeah, fast forward know. or whatever. Um, but it turns out like a bunch of, you see the, the problem with the movie is here's what actually happens is the Germans in like a fatal mistake actually pause and think the air force, their army stops to like kind of rest and resupply. And they just think the air force is going to be able to pick them all off. The air force is woefully mismanaged and doesn't do that. 
And it just works out that a bunch of people with basically, like, passenger boats and trader ships from Britain are, like, all come over. It's that, like, slim piece of land that's between Germany, France and the British coast. Mm. They come and pick people up, and which is a very heroic story, very interesting. But, I mean, the real story of Dunkirk is the Germans getting sloppy and not capitalizing on it. But, you know, that's not really touched upon at all, or in dark o- Darkest Hour. Mm. But um, you get... What will, I assume, sweep all of the technical awards is best sound, best... Uh, Cinematography. Thank you. Please help me with more of these. Like, <laughs> You're like, best people, best best tech guy. It's not going to get anything acting because there's barely any characters on there. There's a, The closest you get is you get the guy from One Direction. Bridge of Spies... That was uh, the guy that got Best Supporting Actor was oh, last okay. year or the year before. Yeah, I don't know the one you're talking Plays about. like an older guy that brings his two young sons out to try on a boat to try and bring people over. They pick up uh, Scarecrow from uh, oh, Batman. Yeah. Was they, it, isn't Harry Styles in it or one of the guys from one Yeah, of he's one of the... There's like three or four British black-haired actors that are all like trying to stay alive while the Germans are just hammering them on the coast. But... None of those guys really get, like, you don't even know any of their names until the end. Okay. So it's not really, like, character-driven as far as that goes. It's more just, like, just constantly being hammered and hammered and hammered by, like, how fucked they are. But the only, like, real storyline is th- that guy from Bridge of Spies and his two sons. They pick up, I think his name's Cillian Murphy. Yeah. Something like that. Something on those ones. They pay, he was on one of the shit, like, the first ship that was going out from Dunkirk that's like, oh, okay. Thank God, I made it on this ship at least. And that just gets bombed to smithereens immediately. And he gets picked up by them while they're on their way back. And he goes kind of crazy with, like, shell shock. And knocks the guy's, like, oldest son accidentally down the stairs. At first, you just think he's blinded. Because he's like, I can't see anything. And then they make it all... They make it back to Britain with sailors on board. And you find out, no, the kid actually dies from oh. this impact. And Cillian Murphy just slinks off the boat before anyone can arrest him. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, that's like the really dark edge to what was otherwise a very heroic story. Of yeah. These guys trapped and in the last moment, like, aid comes in, like, huge waves. And then it's like, yeah. oh, and then there was this one little sad story. About oh, it's super guy. sad, but... Because <laughs> it... It's crazy how sad it is. Because you think, the whole time you're like, Cillian Murphy's going to come, like, at some point, like, be jolted back into reality. Like, no, I need to, right now is the moment to help. But he never does. At one point, like, after he knocks that kid off, they're like, you just sit in the corner and shut the fuck up for the rest of this. Try not to ruin anything. Um, He's like, I dropped the anchor. Don't drop the anchor. Why would you do that? We're being bombed by Nazis. (laughs) For the love of God. Speed is of the essence. But it's gonna... Drop the other anchor. It's a throw... There's no CGI. Everything's practical effects. Yeah. You know, there's scenes of these people, like, just thousands and thousands of troops on the beach waiting to get picked up while the Nazis just, like, their earliest planes fly over and they're, like, just basically drop messages like, you guys are all pretty fucked. Yeah. (laughs) And, um... And instead, some of them... Uh, some of them are just wide shots instead of using CGI to show the actors they actually put like cardboard cutouts huh. yeah just to keep with the no CGI kind of thing interesting yeah so uh, as like that kind of Hollywood like in love with itself thing I think it's going to sweep all of those kind of technical awards yeah, but yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to get best picture alright well let's move on then Hopefully because specifically there's not like a real storyline driven thing going on 
Ooh, we did a shot for victory, I believe. Please don't be Roman Asquez, Vizia. Darkest Hour. All right, right, right from that. Did you see Darkest Hour? I did see Darkest Hour. Okay. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> that's uh, that's the Robert Williams. He's stuck. It's about in this track. chick fucking a sea monster. <laughs> no, I did see Darkest Hour, and uh, the one guy I work with at the movie theater was just like, you know, I like Darkest Hour, but only like as a companion piece to Dunkirk because it's essentially the story of what British politicians were doing, specifically Winston Churchill. It's a story mm-hmm. of Winston Churchill are doing to try to kind of get them out. Although that's really more of the B-plot, just to the idea of what Winston yeah. Churchill does, kind of disrupting British politics at the time. And I thought it was a really good movie. Uh, I was absolutely stunned. I know of Winston Churchill. Obviously, I've heard a lot about him. I never realized he was nearly as much of a booze hound as they reveal himself to be in the movie. Where oh, really? Like, he's never sober at all. He's always just drunk and fat and off his ass. And I think maybe my favorite part of the entire movie is when he first meets the King of England. And he goes to have this... Played by Ben Mendelsohn, which is great. Like, <laughs> And he goes in to meet him, and the king's like, alright, so I guess we should have some like regular meetings or things like that. And he's like, how does four o'clock work for you? He's like, no, four o'clock won't do. I nap at four. And he's like, what about seven then? Like, I want to reach the level of power where I'm like, that time won't work for me. I nap around that time. Can we do something else? To the King of England. Yeah. Who's just like, all right, let's work to your schedule then, buddy. When do you want to meet? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, stutter it, you stuttering Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I did not realize he was anywhere near that level of, uh, uh, that much of a like, kind of a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing the subway, I thought was a little weird at first, but then that kind of all pulled itself together and, uh, I think it's probably, like, the most complete, or one of the most complete movies on the ones we saw. There's quite a few that I feel end on kind of weird notes, but this one definitely ends in a way you're like, oh, okay, it's like a right way for it to end and piece together. Um, really? oh, yeah, I feel differently about that, definitely. Oh, really? What did you think? Well, the end is, like, the, whatever, the caption they show, it ends after Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk is essentially the finale, where yeah. they've, like, rescued everybody, they're bringing them back. And it ends with Winston Churchill was soundly defeated in his next election. Doesn't mention the fact at all that he became prime minister again in the 50s, which I feel like would be a better kind of way to point out. Um, My problem was 10 years ago, HBO did a movie called Into the Storm, which I don't know if I ever forced you to watch that. But it's uh, Brendan Gleeson, like a guy that's actually fat, as Winston Churchill hits all the same beats starts the exact same moment of him being prime minister and actually goes throughout the entire war and ends with him being defeated. Cause when the war ended and like socialist activists started becoming popular in Britain, basically like people were calling for like the same kind of Medicare and kind of stuff that was going on under Theodore, Ro- under uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Mm. And he compared those people to Nazis <laughs> after the war was done and it mm. cost him big time and he got thrown out of office but he actually uh, came back and won. I thought that movie was a much better point of it. And the, that movie made a bigger character of his wife, which this movie really glosses She's just over. just like a thing on the side. Of just no. like, when you're at your lowest, I'm here to support you. 
And the original made it a lot more sense, like how someone like Winston Churchill, yeah, a booze hound. A booze hound, an indulger, lives... Like an outright, must be, like, high-functioning alcoholic. Yeah. You never and, see him without a cigar and a drink in his hand. And every meal he eats, it looks like his it's last rich. meal. Yeah. yeah, it's just covered in gravy, spotted dick. And he's <laughs> old as shit and fat as shit to begin with. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, this dude's gotta die any day now. But in Into the Storm, they it's... And I think that was HBO slash BBC. But it, it's much more of an interaction with him and his wife, and I feel that told a better story of how this guy would function. The wife kind of anchors him, and in um, Darkest Hour, it feels like they kind of gave a lot of that stuff to just some hot 20-year-old secretary, which I believe is a completely fictional character. Yeah, it definitely feel, it felt like, like a morality pet to give him, to be like, he's not a bad guy. Yeah. I think I would have enjoyed this a lot more if I hadn't seen Into the Storm. This just felt like a pretty good movie. And what did you think about uh, Gary Oldman? Do you think... Are we going to save our picks for later? Yeah, I'll say this. I think he's really good in spite of the fact that a lot of the time it is a little obnoxious to see him in all the makeup and the fat mm-hmm. suit. It's one of those things you just really can't escape it where, mm-hmm. like, after a while, you're like, it's not an actual Nutty professor, person. yeah. Or, like, Monica and Friends when she's wearing the fat suit. You're like, for a moment, it's like, okay, it works, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. The one of the best ways I thought to describe it, it's like J. Edgar with a lot less gay subplot to it. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're like, pretty solid movie most of the time. The make is a little silly. Not nearly as much gay subplot as J. Edgar. That's 70% of J. Edgar, unfortunately. <laughs> you're just like, is he going to do any FBI stuff? But it's like, oh god, I wish dad would have a heart attack in this theater so we could get out of here. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so tired. <laughs> Do I need to shave? How long has this movie been going on? Do I need to re-register to vote? Uh, but I, I can definitely see where your point's coming from. It probably is that way. It is, I think, one of those movies that's a bit more enamored with the car- the person of Winston Churchill than to show both of his sides mm-hmm. and to show the entire story. Because it is very much a feel-good kind of movie. Like, yeah. At the end, this guy who went against his party to try to bridge, like, to try to stop Nazis manages to do it by inspiring himself amongst the common people and then mm-hmm. Dunkirk manages to work out. It's still really good. There's a lot of like intense scenes that are pretty sweet. I do love him like in the like boardroom means just like shouting down Neville yeah. not Neville Chambers, the other guy. Stop interrupting me while I'm interrupting you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very like silly but like good quotable kind It's of stuff a, like yeah, that. it it does get the point across like could anyone else have done this? When yeah. the whole, when everything was against you. I mean, like, literally, this is pre-America. You have no allies. Oh, the sad call he makes to FDR, where FDR's like, we'll put planes in Canada. Yeah. If you want to get some horses and pull them over. Pull them over. Yeah, and goodbye. just, and there's it's, a bunch, and that's done, again, better in, yeah. it just in like, Into the Storm. It's but. just the moment of, like, Harry Elman, like. Yeah, I get it, whatever. Bye, FDR. <laughs> but you, you get it, it's the same, and you get that in Into the Storm, too, where it's FDR, like, I want to help you, it, the support just isn't here mm-hmm. right now. You know, this is still America after the Great Depression. People aren't enthusiastic about getting involved in another world war. Hitler's such a far-off concern. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I don't think it was a solid one, though, but, uh... And Into the Storm ends, like, uh, him and, like, set, like, right before he dies, just going to a play, and they're like, and the star actor of the play comes out like, I'd like to announce the hero of the Republic is here, Sir Winston Churchill. And, like, everyone stands up and claps. I'm almost getting, like, emotional even describing it. That, like, Darkest Hour didn't have that. It literally just had a caption at the end, like, he got his ass kicked in the next election, 
And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. I, 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 there's probably almost a better movie to be made following more of his life than just that moment. But I get it. And it does actually work really well with Dunkirk in mm-hmm. the same year where you can almost see two sides of the same sort of scene. Yeah. And it, was, it makes sort of an interesting kind of parallel between the two of them. And for such a pivotal moment of, like, world history that really hadn't gotten that much coverage. That's, yeah, that's huge right now. Like, for as many movies that have been made about Pearl Harbor or Normandy or things like that, to, like, know that, like, just now is somebody finally being like, why don't we tell the story of Dunkirk? And the Nazis almost won the entire war. Yeah, the entirety of the British If Britain had been conquered, America wouldn't have jumped in that war. Yeah, (laughs) there was never going to be another shot after that. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane to think that, but... Yeah, so, interesting one there. Move on to another pick. Christopher's penis. Uh, I put that one in there. I, Tanya. All right, we both saw I, Tanya. What'd you think of I, Tanya? The line that stands out the most for me is that Bobby Cannavale being, like, interviewed, and he's like, this was pulled off by the biggest group of boobs in a universe (laughs) inhabited solely by boobs. (laughs) It's astonishing. I loved I told It's you, the I most white it. trash story ever. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, I, too. I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And what's astonishing is the levels of truth to all of this. I did some fact-checking afterwards. And there is a few things that are embellished, and obviously stuff where people, like... Like the whole not... Like, uh... Alice and Jenny's character uh, like throwing a knife and stabbing, like, Tanya Harding. No one's ever claimed that before, so mm-hmm. it's sort of just something almost they added. But, like, the character of, um... The friend, like the fat friend who gets interviewed. Oh, the CIA, the guy that claims to be like a secret operative agent. Like a counter terrorist expert. Yeah. The fact that I was like, oh, this is just such a goofy character they made up for this. And then they show the interview at the end. And I've watched more interviews with him. You're like, no, he was 100% that guy. Yeah. Astonishing that he was there and involved with this. And like the fact that they were like, yeah, the 15 minute thing. Just this 300 pound dude that lives with his mom, clearly. And yeah, I think in the movie they say it was 30 minutes they would change. I think in truth it was like 15 every 15 minutes they would move their car to try to avoid arousing suspicion like Jesus how did these guys accomplish this by sheer incompetence they didn't accomplish anything well yeah they hit Nancy Kerrigan you could have done that by just hanging out outside waiting for her to leave yeah it's astonishing though and how it just destroys fucking uh, Tanya Harding's career too Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah it's it I I loved it I thought um, Margot Robbie was crazy good in it uh, like, to a degree where I'm like, she's an A-list actress now, without a doubt in my mind. I didn't... I thought she did a pretty good job until uh, the courtroom scene where she gets her sentence of a, a lifetime suspension from skating. She's like, no, that that's not fair. You gave them a couple... I'll take the time in jail. Just let yeah. me skate again. And she did kind of sway me on that. I, I, that was a great scene. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. It is heartbreaking, too. Like, I, I'm sure it's a movie that's heavily within Tanya Harding's... Or, yeah, Tanya Harding's favor of, like, trying to be like yeah. she got a raw... I don't... I, and had no involvement at all in the planning. Even Jeff Galuli kind of gets out of, like, the planning. They're like, yeah, whatever, crazy yeah. friend. <laughs> but, you know, and they do play a little bit into it of, like, hey, you know, her handwriting did show what Nancy Kerrigan's schedule is. Like, was she really not involved with it? But it is ultimately one that tries to glorify... Not glorify, but try to place a lot of defense in I, Tonya, or Tonya Harding's favor. Yeah. It should be a, a movie that's shown anytime, like, at, like, any white supremacist meeting, where they're like, we're better than everybody else. Like, yeah, watch this movie. Yeah. 
What, what I liked about it, though, is uh, I thought the part that really hit me was, like, the idea of kind of sitting there and realizing, like, oh, wow, there is, like, a whole generation. Because the thing is, I only know of Tanya Harding really as the joke of uh, Tanya Harding led Pike Nancy Kerrigan or whatever. And it's like, shocking how many people your age think she actually physically did it herself. Yeah. <laughs> like, And that's, that's the thing. Because, like, they even play that way. She has to just listen to, like, David Letterman make jokes. And it's like... My entire life has been boiled down to that, despite the fact I was the first ever woman to do a triple axel in the world. Yeah. It's just like, it is a little sad, like, that someone with that much talent was just boiled down to that and mm-hmm. kind of got a raw deal, especially with the way her family life was. Watered um, down by an awesome soundtrack. It is a great soundtrack. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I definitely have downloaded uh, <clears throat> Everyone's a Winner by Gun since then. It is such a great song. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll save our, our picks for best, like, the actual... A movie I, I enjoyed much more because it, it was one of those things I thought I was oversaturated. Like, no, I... Because, you know, I was right in that age. Uh, I'm going to... When was that? 90... 90... It was after... It was around 96 because it was around Olympics. No, it was earlier than 96. Or, after, no, 94, I guess. 94 would have been the Winter Olympics. Okay, 94. I was completely oversaturated with that news mm-hmm. by then that I was like, there's nothing new you're going to tell me about that in this movie. But they still did an excellent job of making it compelling. Yeah, I liked it a lot, definitely. Three billboards. I did see three billboards. I did as well. And loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I don't think I've made that a secret. Yeah, uh... Three Billboards is an interesting movie. I'll give it that. Oh, okay. Um, I liked it. It's a very strange movie. I'm honestly a little shocked it's even nominated. The trailers did not do a good job of painting what the theme of this movie was. Oh, it, the trailers did an amazing job of getting to the theater and then realizing, like, what is this? Is this... I don't know what time the tone is the to be tone set is in. off. <laughs> like, is this half comedy, half? I'll say this right now: it's going to be my pick for best, or it. Well, I don't know about my pick for best, but it's by far my favorite of the ones that came out. But the tone is very hard to nail down. It's, I guess, a dark comedy. I don't even know if it's that. It's it's almost. I don't know if it's intentionally that. <laughs> it's 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 very tough to describe because all right. So the premise is what you kind of hear about it. It's three billboards. They're purchased by, uh, what's her name? Uh, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand. Playing the mom of a, a daughter that's been raped and murdered, a teenage raped daughter. after being burned to death, yeah. it sounds like, or being burned to no, death. No, I'm pretty, like. I'm, I assume they raped her before the burning. It said raped while dying. That's what the billboard says. Maybe they burned her afterwards? Why would you? I mean, the one dude also... Was she on fire? And they're like, oh, I gotta get this. She's so hot. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of details kind of... It's the clearance sale on that pussy. I gotta get in there. I mean, you heard the one dude in the bar, I think he made a joke about that. He's like, I wanted to get it while it was hot, or something like that. (laughs) He's like, ew. Uh, She makes these billboards, basically calling out the police in the the city for not doing enough, they're having no arrests for it. And what follows is a strange movie where Woody Harrelson is the accused cop, and once again, there's spoilers here, so if you've already gotten this far, watch out who dies halfway through, commits suicide because he's going to die of cancer. Leaves a funny note. Leaves a series of very miraculous letters that change everyone's lives. Married to him. a girl that is so out of his league. So out of so his league. So out of his league. And, and very out of place in this movie. And very... She cannot act to save her who life. Who I thought for sure was his daughter until he started making out with her. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And includes... 
It's like one of the weirdest things. He leaves a letter for her, and the letter's like, Dearest whatever your name is. That was a great fuck we did. I really enjoyed sliding inside of you and fucking your vagina wild. It was a great fuck. It's fuck I'll remember for the rest of my life. I'm like, what is this? Is this a romantic letter? Is this what you're... Because you didn't really characterize him as this way beforehand. Uh, you have Sam Rockwell, who plays a, a sheriff or a deputy at department. A, what, a borderline retarded. I was I was not sure if he was supposed to be... Which is so weird, or because he... or... A police department that looks bigger than you'd expect for a small town. There looks like there's at least ten cops... And he seems to ease into the, like, I'm obviously, like, the heir to the sheriff spot. Or I'm just, like, really... He definitely has the there. best desk in the office. He's got he the one right sweet, by the window. Yeah, he has a pretty sweet desk. I don't know if this... It doesn't seem like it was supposed to, but it feels like it takes place in the 60s because he only reads comics that don't look like no. they exist nowadays. No, there's cell phones and everything. Yeah, they it's are. Definitely, it's yeah. just he only seems to read comic books from the 50s, it seems like. Brand new. And lives with his mom and watches, like, old Jeopardy or... Yeah, and it's weird because the star of the movie paints it one way, where it's like, it's this woman... Seeking vengeance that you're going to sympathize like, with the entire movie. It's almost like female empowerment, where she's just like, "No, you're not another rape. I'm not going to be. Done I'm not going to let a guy talk away. down to me, some yeah. cop. Yeah. I'm not going to be put away by the police. I'm not going to let you threaten me. I'm not going to let any of that happen. By the midway point of the movie, you're like, this woman's a fucking disaster. Someone stop her. Yeah, where she's, she's like, like, we should get DNA from every boy born. Yeah. And put it in a thing, and then I'm going to firebomb the police station. And you're just like, what is happening at this point? Yeah. Peter Dinklage is in the movie, for a reason I still don't understand. The guy that directed it did a movie called Bruges a few years ago with Colin McFarrell, Farrell, and Peter Dinklage was like a semi-main character in it before, like all the Game of Thrones thing. So the only reason I can imagine is because he's just that, he's just a huge fan of working with Peter Dinklage, and that's why he's in it. That's the only reason I can think of it. Because he does not play a significant character in any no. way. He shows up, I think, in like four scenes. Yeah. But what a great movie that you got Peter Dinklage and Lester Freeman in. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. Lester Freeman was the real highlight of this movie for me. Like, Lester Freeman comes in. <laughs> Is he like Tyler like, Perry in uh, <laughs> Gone Girl? Yeah, where you're just like, man, he's so good in this. Like, shows up. At least somebody's finally like, Sam Rockwell should not be a cop. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out of this station. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. It's just him being like... I think I may have eaten my badge. Like, get out! Just get out! He, Sam Rockwell, after Woody Harrelson kills himself, and uh, Sam Rockwell, it's weird, because Woody Harrelson writes him this other suicide letter for him, where it's like, I think you're a great cop, and you've got potential, and and I don't want people to think I'm killing myself because of this, Uh because of this three Bobards thing. It's, you know, it's a medical issue, it's blah, blah, blah. I don't want to suffer through it. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell, instead of taking that and thinking like, okay, that, you know, that sucks. My best friend's gone. The guy that I think of as like a father figure is gone. Instead, he's like, fuck that. This three billboards thing killed him. So he goes and throws the guy that sold the woman these three billboards through a window, beats him up in public, in front of everyone, it, it's in the, the middle of the, like their Times Square. The police station is literally across the street from this place. And then goes back in, and nobody takes his gun. And he, it's not until the next day when like a cop from a real town shows up. Oh, and Lester Freeman. right in front of Lester Freeman. Like, Lester <laughs> yeah. Freeman watches it, and it's just yeah. like, you can see, like, he doesn't say anything, but you can see his face. He's like, what the fuck is happening yeah. here? Uh, it should be noted, he doesn't read the message until after that. 
Oh, is that he true? Finds okay. out, he finds out the message about... He finds out that uh, Woody Harrelson's dead, goes over and kicks that guy's ass, comes back later to find out... Like, he gets a call that's like, oh, they had the... You know, whatever the uh, oh, okay. name left the letter for you. Because that happens when the police station's getting... Fired. It's one downside to, like, trying to, like, kind of binge all these movies. Yeah. I forget some of the Some, some of the details get lost. But no, it was meant to show that the letter, like, completely changes who he is, at which point... You almost think like, okay, this movie's gonna have a happy ending because it sounds like this guy, Sam Rocco's character, because he gets his shit together, is going out and he thinks he finds the guy who did it. Because there was like a joke, or not a joke, but like a line in it where Woody Harrelson says like, look, this is the kind of thing where we may never find out who it is until some jackass at the bar brags about it and the wrong yeah. person overhears. And that's sort of what happens. You overhear something. And that happens a ton of times in the criminal justice system, unfortunately. You just kind of have to wait until, like... Hopefully something happens. And that's what happens here. You hear some guy bragging about, like, raping a chick, presumably while she was on fire, which is the circumstances here. He goes out, gets his shit pushed in intentionally to get a blood sample. You think this story's going to finally have a happy ending. Lester Freeman's like, you did great work. It's not the guy. Yeah, that guy was in jail uh, for something else at the time. Or he was overseas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was a service military uh, military guy. And then the movie ends in a way where it's like both Sam Rockwell's character and Francis McDormand's character are like, well, we're just going to go kill this guy. He wasn't wasn't guilty of the crime, but we're angry. We're going to go kill him. And they're driving off together. And then finally they kind of make the consciousness, it sounds like, to not do it. And go back. Well, they leave it open. They leave it open. But what are we going to do when we find him? I don't know. Yeah, well, they say they're like, we'll decide if we're going to do it or not on the way there. Because the big theme of the movie is the idea of like the cyclical nature of, of anger and hate. Yeah. And how that just continues to perpetuate upon itself. So, I, in my mind, they don't do it. The, the fact that they're wishy-washy would, already I, is a way to kind of already cement in my yeah. mind. Like, they don't have the conviction to kill this guy yeah. when they see him. I was going to shit on the movie completely if they're like, yeah, we're going to do this. I was like, so justice doesn't factor into the theme of this movie? <laughs> I was worried because I, there was a movie, I think three or four years back, but also had Woody Harrelson in it called um, Out of the Furnace. It was one with Christian Bale in it. Didn't see. Casey Affleck played his brother. Basically, Woody Harrelson kills his brother. And the entire movie about Christian Bale trying to get revenge. And it's one of the most depressing movies I think I've ever seen. It's a great movie, but it's one I could never watch it. Because it ends in a way that's just nihilistic for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's like Christian Bale's being followed by the sheriff. who's like, do not kill this man. If you kill him, I know you're taking justice into your own hands, but you will never be free again. Yeah. Your entire family's fucked. Everything will be ruined if you do it. And the end of the movie is him like killing Woody Harrelson in like this field as the cop watches. And you're just like, it's such a bummer ending. Like, there's mm-hmm. just this emptiness of revenge. Which is the point of the movie, I imagine. But it was such, like, a draining movie to watch. I was like, please don't let this be the same thing. Please yeah. don't let this be she and her desperate attempt to get, you know, some justice for her daughter goes so far beyond and it just becomes this horrifying movie or something like that. Well, I, and I can't imagine... I'd assume most people watching this movie, you have to... You switch... Not switch sides, but you kind of... You lose a lot of sympathy for Frances McDormand through it because she does kind of become unruly. At first, you're like, yeah, Woody Harrelson's just some fat, small-town cop that's not doing his job. But then it's like, no, he did what he could. And he still... He did everything he could within his legal ability. Yeah. And what Frances McDormand wants is kind of, you know, understandable, but still outside of what's allowed. Yeah, one of the things that kind of really is interesting though is that 
all the stuff we've talked about is like one third of the movie, and yeah. the rest of it is a very silly, almost like comedy at times, where you're just like, there's a character of her ex husband's new girlfriend who's a complete idiot, and she's so astonishingly hot. funny. Like she's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. I, in it. Can I use the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like get out of here. What do you want? Well, you know, the zoo had some layoffs, and you know, last one in, first one out. So, <laughs> so I'm working at the horse petting farm. <laughs> oh, and then it's just like the one one, and it's astonishingly hot. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's gorgeous, but just dumb as a. It's prick, him but... and Bruce and uh, Woody Harrelson's wife. It's like where did two chicks that are like smoking tens <laughs> exist in this town? Like, it's such a great character, but it's such a whiplash. Because, like, the moment when that happens where she's just like, can I use the restroom, comes after her husband tries to threaten her with a knife and her son, or goes to punch her and her son, like, takes a knife to the dad's throat. And it's such a tense scene that's... The son that gives her nothing but shit the whole time, too, is not happy with anything his mom does. And it's immediately, like, within two seconds... Oh, can I not use the bathroom? Yeah. Like you're just like it's such a weird. Tone. It's a microcosm of the tone of the movie because it's going. tough to it's tough to get locked in any kind of tone of it at any yeah. time. At times, you're supposed to be almost laughing at how simplistic and stupid Sam Rock was, but he's also a racist, sexist, like violent person through the yeah. first half of the movie. And it is weird that just one letter from Woody Harrelson completely changes who he yeah. is. I guess there there is a lesson ultimately in, in like the idea of forgiveness because the guy who he beat up is the one who forgives him in the hospital, mm-hmm. and they're well. And you don't really get the backstory. The thing they refer to him is about constantly that he beat up a black suspect. It basically tortured him interrogation. Yeah. Like, while I was in but you don't get like the full backstory on what that happened. You're just clear that it's like he beat yeah. up a black officer, and from the tone you get from well, he's else, clearly like, retarded. So <laughs> why would he be in charge of any investigation? Yeah, you're definitely there's a level. You're like, is he simple or is he insane? In like, today's, is he just stupid as fuck. You hear there's qualified people that don't become cops because they failed the psychological test. How did this guy pass any psychological test? I mean, it makes sense that, like, a small town, there's probably not that much, like, of, like, a, a weeding out system. And if he maybe was already friends with it somebody. It still feels weird. Once again, he, it feels like he becomes that, like, heir apparent to that police station so fast. Yeah. And it's like, there's way older people. Like, there, you've shown us nothing to indicate that, like, you're head and shoulders above anybody. Yeah. I, I like Three Billboards. I like definitely the ending of it, leaving it open-ended. I didn't love it, though. I was I was really in like a weird place of like I this movie has such a strange tone for me, yeah. That I couldn't really get. Behind. I kind of love that because it, it felt like a, a Coen Brothers movie, you know. Also, the I mean, obviously they had uh, Francis McDormand, and it's a small town kind of setting. But I was like a movie. I, I loved it because it like kept me on my toes, and it never got too serious. Um, and it's just so un PC, so un PC. They, they say the N-word, they say retard, they say faggot, they say every single word that, like, you're not going to make it, unless you're using this in, like, a kind of, like, trying to set a, a justice tone to it. You're never going to get away. Like, these are words that are just thrown out sporadically throughout the movie. I kind of liked it because it kind of flies in the edge of what's going on in Hollywood right now. And still had a, a pretty... It, I was never bored during this movie. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't drag at any point. Um... I'm like, I'm going to say our next several picks. <laughs> we shall see. We got six more to go through here. 
Shape of Water, which did drag at several times for me. I did not see Shape of Water. That was the one I really wanted to see and just didn't have the time for it. Okay. Uh, what did you think it was about? From what I understand, it's about a woman who I believe is mute, or she yeah. doesn't speak a lot. She's she mute. She wants to tap dance, because I know she, she does that a lot in the bits I saw. No. Um, no, there's definitely seemed to be like something that played into the idea of like... There's a dream sequence that okay. she... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she does see a couple of movies, and but she, like, the... Tap dances out of them. Oh, wait. That. Go ahead. Uh... She works for some evil facility or some scientific facility headed up by Michael Shannon, who seems like he plays... The Baltimore Aquarium. Uh, ...an amazing racist at, at times, it almost seems like. He, from the bits I saw, he seemed like an amazing character, so that's why I'm kind of bummed I didn't see it. Uh, there's a fish person that they find, and she falls in love with him. That's the general consensus why I know the movie. That's basically what it is. It's, uh, it's the 50s, Baltimore... Which um, is interesting because it's got a very European theme to it. It's a lot of like French music throughout it. Um, but yeah, she's a a woman that works at. I thought I think it's the Baltimore Aquarium that just has like a side link that's like a government base. But she's a cleaning woman in what is sort of a, a secret military base, but has no security protocol. So she's literally in the room cleaning it when they bring in this fish monster. And they're like, all right, everyone, don't talk about this. <laughs> Instead of, like, sending the cleaning crew out. And she's a deaf woman and uh, that masturbates furiously in a bathtub every morning, which you see. <laughs> and she falls in love with the sea monster. And you get a very... um yeah, Michael Shannon's the thing to see in it. Because he's so stereotypical, just a complete dickhead. I, I, I saw one scene while I was uh, doing a theater check that almost like I had to like, keep myself from laughing as I was heading out, where it's him, it's Michael Shannon talking poorly on the creature to uh, Viola Davis's character, not Viola Davis. Oh, Octavia Spencer. Octavia, Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Uh, and she was, she was, he was speaking to her and he's just like, that thing is an abomination. God created us in his image. Well, some of us more in his image than others. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, a very, like, shitty, unnecessary, like, racist jab to throw out there. Very, like, coolly and confidently. And you're I'll just, like, save it because I think you still absolutely should I'm see probably it going to still for see Michael Shannon. His intro scene in a bathroom is ridiculous. There, the women are cleaning the men's room. And he walks in and they're like, oh, we'll get out. He's like, no, you can stay. He's beyond words for like how stereotypical much of a fucking dickhead he is. And he's, it's Michael Shannon at his creepiest, but. I love Michael Shannon. It's I like do words too. Words can't say enough how amazingly. Nothing can make me happens. happier to see him in this movie and kind of get this. Um, but yeah, it, the sea monster, it, it, it becomes kind of, and she falls in love with him because he can't talk. So they have kind of a bond there or the, the sea monster kind of growls. Um, there's a scene of the sea monster eating a cat. You might want to skip. Um, <laughs> sexy. But it, they break the sea monster out. Once again, the security for... It, obviously, it's a fictional world, but a fictional world where they found a sea monster. They found him in, like, uh, in the Amazon and brought him up. The security level is just shockingly low in this place. <laughs> to sneak him out... And, uh, Michael Shannon has to fucking try and round it up. And, uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought on this. Um, 
don't know, but it's a, it's, for me, it's the typical Guillermo del Toro movie where I love the way it looks. Love it. Visually awesome. Yeah, the visually, I'm not, there's nothing to knock. This movie's astounding visually. Uh, the plot line I like for the most part. Um, but by the end, like most Guillermo del Toro movies, I get kind of bored with it. And not only is it a sea monster, but it's also kind of Jesus that it can heal people. Okay. Which I didn't like at all. And that kind of, he, Michael Shannon shows up and shoots her and as they're trying to release him into the docks and the monster comes back to life and kills Michael Shannon, Aww. who goes like, oh, oh God, you are a God and slits his throat with its fang, with its <laughs> fins and then throws her into the water and heals her and gives her gills and they become an underwater love. Huh. marriage and they go out to like uh, it's what's some classic 50 song i can't it's escaping me right now what what's it is surprising to me is that this is like i the, may not always love you this is one of the favorites to win best picture from what i understand and has i think i think it won the most for most nomination or most nominees from from this oscars as well uh it's surprising because it sounds a lot like Guillermo del Toro's other stuff, which I don't think most of that stuff's ever really been nominated. That, I, outside I, of, like, visual categories. Yeah, I think it's like all Guillermo del Toro stories. It, once again, visually, it's amazing. I've got no counter to that storyline. I, I think it I, I think it kind of peters out towards the end. And once again, the guy becomes kind of like Jesus, where he can heal people, too. I, I thought this was an excellent movie. Um, I, I was kind of bored by the end. That's fair enough. It's definitely one I want to see, but I got kind of... For Michael Shannon alone is worth it. I was like, please let this be Mike. Please don't let Michael Shannon just toil into, like, character actor territory where it's like he's just that weird tall guy. Come on, Michael Shannon. Be a big actor for me. Other weird tall guys. The Post. Did not see it. Jesus Christ, you're killing me. I didn't... I, it looks so boring. It looks so boring. <laughs> um, It is kind of boring. I would say it's this generation's Bridge of Spies. That's what I thought looking at it. Like, I kept watching it, and it's just, it felt, like, I'm like, look, I love Meryl Streep, I love Tom Hanks, you know, like, you can't go wrong with them, but at the same time, it was almost, like, manufactured so much to be a movie that I couldn't put an interest in. Uh, 100% agree, it's a movie that's manufactured to give Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep a chance to, like, work together in a movie. Yeah. That being said, it's it's a very good movie. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it feels right along the line of Bridge of Spies, like, where, like, my perception of it was like, I'm sure it's very good, but it's, like, it's one of those things that's, like, I probably am going to forget about Amelia. I thought it was going to be about Watergate, but it's not. It's actually about, uh, like, a reporter that, uh, McNamara, who was the Secretary of Defense under Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson, brought in some guy, reporters, to go to Vietnam and, you know, kind of write their thoughts and what was going on. And, you know, everyone was like, this war is fucked. There's no way to win this. And, you know, it contained years and years of of information that basically showed that from fucking Truman to Nixon and every president in between knew this war wasn't winnable. And each fucking one of them kept amping it up. Uh-huh. Every single one of them. Kennedy. You know, Lyndon Johnson, all like, you know, I don't, what, like, when you think Vietnam, who do you, which president do you think of? I generally think Nixon. 
He ended Vietnam. Yeah. By the way. I mean, he was still president for like four that's or five years the, of That's it. just the notion you go with almost. Like, you think Vietnam is a bad war, so you tend to think of the most negative aspects yeah. of it and just move over to like Nixon not being. But it was officially started by Kennedy and ramped up by Lyndon Johnson. Like, it's got a ton of presidents' blood on their hands. Um, and that, and they get that story and it's the New York Times first tries to report it and gets shut down. Nixon somehow goes to, uh, the Supreme Court to get like an injunction kind of filed against it, like at least a temporary ban, which is, uh, which shuts down the New York Times reporting on it, which the New York Times in the movie is headed by Michael Stuhlberg, who's also... In uh, The Shape of Water. Also in Call Me By Your Name, which you didn't see. Yeah. It, you know what? Good for my... Oh, this is my Boardwalk Empire career, like, really kicking it in. Shocking that Shea Wiggum wasn't in anything this year. He's playing yeah, a shitty you know, cop. It's... You know, he might have some time. You know, maybe it's next year. But, uh... Yeah, and it, it basically becomes... The, you know, the story breaks. The New York Times is taken out of commission. And it breaks right after the, I think, I guess it's the Washington Post. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Washington Post right after they go public with, like, stocks and trades. So, they're barely, at this point, they're barely limping along and going public is, like, infuse some cash into them. But there's, like, a thing in there if anything happens within, like, the first two or three weeks that's earth-shattering that all the investors can pull out and just ruin them. Okay. So it, it, that's like the the problem is like whether like if we print this, all these investors potentially could say we're pulling out. And uh, at the end of the day, they don't. And you know, Tom Hanks spends the whole it, the whole movie's Tom Hanks convincing Meryl Streep that like we need to print this. That's it's one of those things. I I like the press, but it, it's one of those things that feels like it's too much the press sucking its own dick. Like we're the guardians of truth kind yeah. of thing, which I think people that. our generation don't have that. Because we've had so many media outlets that we don't see the, like... And also, the way news is covered nowadays has changed. Like, I I still view journalism as an admirable profession. Like, it's still one where I feel like I look upon it with, like, respect. But it's one of those things where, like, look, you also have to have some level of self-awareness. You know, 99% of you are garbage, right? You know that. Or or just, like, the sense of, like, you know, you aren't... You yourself are not actively changing the world. Yeah. You're reporting the news that can help other people learn. But it's, it's, it's like, you're not, you know, the soldier out there stopping a, a, a fucking, you know, dictator. You're not the guy at FEMA relief... Who's mm-hmm. saving people from houses that are being flooded? You're reporting the news, which is great, and truth is important, but you are not the hero of the world because you were doing it. Like, as well as things like, take you're not down, the hero of the story. Take, take yeah. it down a notch. You're a part of a great system, and you're a very vital part, but like, tone it back. Stop up. patting yourself on the back. Yeah, and this movie feels like it's more kind of lip service to that. I still liked it a lot. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, Bridge of Spies. I like that movie. I do. I really do like Bridge of Spies. Nowhere near as good as it should have been. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same for The Post. Alright. Get Out. I just saw this like three hours ago. How'd you enjoy Get Out? I uh, I loved it, actually. I liked it a lot more than I, I thought it was going to be. It wasn't as scary, thank God. <laughs> it wasn't too spooky? <laughs> it wasn't too scary. Um, I thought, I heard people say it had a twist ending, which I guess the for me, the only twist would be that she was in on it, the girlfriend. The twist ending, I think, is the fact that there was supposed to be a rumor 
that when I, I saw a bunch of things for alternate ending. There's an I alternate. Didn't see there's that. an alternate ending that exists where essentially the twist of the whatever his name is, the TSA friend, doesn't Rod, show up. <laughs> Roderick or doesn't what? show up. It's actual cops, and they do arrest Chris. Oh, that's okay. the reality of it. Like that's how it ends. Is they think he did it, and that's the ending. And you're like, that's a horrifyingly depressing ending. I mean, how would they explain? He set up a lab, uh, like a, <laughs> a medical I mean, lab? That's under- the thing, though, is that you just say it's like, it's one white woman's words against the black guy. One super hot white woman's words. Who's seen her, like, attack him. Like, the cops come in on him over her. And her shot, like, fatally wounded, yeah. Yeah, so it would be her word against his. So, yeah, I mean, it's not impossible to think. I like the ending they went with a little It is weird. Like, how did he, he didn't seem like a high-powering position in the TSA. How did he get a car? I don't know. That, that that was one of the few things I was not a huge fan of. Is like, because the thing is directed by Jordan Peele from Key and Peele, probably you know very well known comedian. And there are some definitely some funny moments. The character of Rod is hilarious at points, but the ending part of him coming, he's like, "I'm the T.S. motherfucking A." Is like it's too much of almost like a Key and Peele sketch at that point. Where yeah. you're just like. Nobody thinks of the TSA like this, by the well, way. Well, that's the joke of it, and that's why I felt like it was almost like a Key and Peele sketch, where you're just like, I, I get it. It's How did not- you find me? It's like, I, the answer, a real answer should have been, I just Googled it. I knew the family's name, so it wasn't yeah. that hard. I, I love that character. Like, he's great at points. Yeah. Like, when he has that phone call with the, the girlfriend after it's like, everything's happened, and he's just like, he just hangs up and like, ah, oh, shit, she's so good at this! <laughs> oh, where he's like... I'm going to record this, and I'm going to snare this bitch. She's like, we all know this. what this is about. You looking at me all the time. I'm like, bitch, you's a motherfucking bitch. Motherfucking bitch. Ah, he just, like, slams the phone down. He's like, like oh, she's, she's too clever. Loses everything. Like, that is great. It's so, it's fantastic. I, I love those moments. Uh, it's one of those movies, too, that's uh, definitely worth re-watching to pick up on stuff you didn't know. I knew of some stuff going into it. Like, I knew from the beginning that the girlfriend was in on it. Because I had heard somebody say... I didn't, yeah. Somebody said, like, oh, the reason she stops the cop is she doesn't want to leave a paper trail. I was like, well, obviously from that, I know she's in on this. Um, but, like, the stuff with... The, I, I didn't pick up on that. The stuff of the aunt, or the grandfather, the grandparents, being in the, the two housekeepers there, I didn't get. The reason the grandfather's always running is because he's trying to beat Jesse... Um, Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens' time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the little pieces like that I never picked up on originally. I didn't pick up on the Jesse Owens thing about him running either. I mean, I saw that scene of Jesse Owens. Uh. There was apparently a line that he cut when he was gonna chase, when he chases down Chris at the end. He was like, I finally caught you, or something like that. And he was, uh, Jordan Peele talked about how it just didn't fit with the, you know, everything going on, so he cut it out. But I, I did love that touch of, like, that's why he's running, is he's trying to beat Jesse Owens' time. Um, I, I, I love a lot of the subtle stuff, like everyone showing up to the auction in black limousines. It's all white people showing up in black people's bodies. Like, it, it's a movie with a ton of great, like, well-written sort of like um, symbolism and great imagery. Just uh, really well told, and I think it's definitely the most interesting of the Oscar movies. Mm-hmm. It's the one where I'm like, yeah, it's the one in there because it's probably more mainstream. But unlike like something like. Um, Mad Max or people who are like Wonder Woman should be in it. Like Get Out deserves to be in here because it's definitely that same caliber of like creating a fascinating discussion, taking a very interesting approach to something new, mm-hmm. doing like a horror movie where the horror is being a black person surrounded by white people. Mm-hmm. It's it, I just thought it was fascinating and just so well done. 
Uh, I can't give enough credit to Jordan Peele. Like, it was really impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I liked it. I, I was never bored during it at all. Um, Didn't overstay its welcome. I wish we had seen, like, a scene of one of... Because the premise is, it's rich white people putting their part of their brain into black they people's their, bodies. They put, their con- they put their consciousness into black people's bodies. Yeah. Which is basically... A because they think black people are cool. Yeah, that's... Except that's, for Stephen Root's character is just like, hey, you're a good photographer and I like photography, so that's why I But that's still, want. like, it's... See, people have looked at it, like, it's that's still him being incredibly racist because it's him being like, no, it's just that one aspect of you that I want. I don't, I don't... I'm not racist or anything like that. It's that, like, that line that gets thrown around, like, three or four times in the movie where, like, if I could vote for Obama third time i definitely would i'm not ready. see i thought steven root wasn't because it's like this was that, just it's the idea of taking do you think if they found a white person that was better with photography that he would have picked that or no i don't think he would have i think he did want i'd like that body like because he, he he's he's another person who like feels like he's in there he's trying to be like i'm not racist but it's all part of sort of the systematic thing i wish especially since he's playing into the system that's like institutionally yeah. Racist. The most racist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's I mean, supposed to be the like primary. These people that are like, I would have voted for Obama. Yeah, like, I get that. It's like, that's how racist you are. Like, maybe the guy that's like, fuck Obama. I don't like him. Like, at least that's the guy that's outspoken racist. You're the ones that's racist because you're like, I want to look like a black person. But, I mean, obviously you guys are much dumber than me. I want my mind in or there. Or just like that notion of just being like, I'm cool with you. I'm not racist. See, I like, I like basketball too. I love Obama. He's great. As though that's what... Like, black culture is entirely defined by as to whether or not you're mm. racist based on whether or not you want to vote for Obama a third time. As though that's what... Or the guy that's super old that's just bringing up Tiger Woods. Like yeah. a... like a, You know, I don't... Uh, I'm going to guess, like, the main characters are supposed to be, like, their mid-20s, late-20s. Yeah, something around them. That, like, hey, Tiger Woods still... Like, Tiger Woods has sucked for, like, the last ten years. I mean, it's not, like, a, a new reference, but this 70-year-old guy thinks that's, like, a happening, happening reference. I wish he had seen the black actor with the white guy in him perform, like, succeeded. Like, actually been like, oh, hey there, how you doing, man? Watch me do, like, watch me play this saxophone. Instead, all you saw were, like, these black people that were acting very weird. We have the one. You have, like, the, the Andre guy. Yeah, who goes crazy the first, but he's still not, he doesn't act comfortable. And you see in a news clip that he was a jazz player, but you still don't see, like, what the point, you still don't see the point of that guy putting him in that guy's body. Outside of the fact he has a, a wife that's 60. Yeah, well, that's sort of what they're kind of, like, closing in on, though. Like, it'd be kind of interesting if you actually saw him pick up, like, an instrument and do something and show, like, the benefits of, like, transferring your mind into that. Uh. Unless it's supposed to be like, this doesn't really work. That's why you see it. That's why every, like, camera flash kind of sets these guys off. And the camera flash thing I I wasn't a big fan of. Like, I mean, I guess that's, like, useful shorthand to get to how to, like, debug them. But... Well, it breaks the hypnosis for a brief moment. Mm -hmm. And I like that. One last thing I want to just touch on is the girlfriend who... Like, she was almost, like, a wonderfully understated character. Because there's... Like, the entire family are psychopaths. And you yeah. have the brother who's, like, an over-the-top It's almost psychopath. like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, if you saw any of those, what those families were, except if you moved them to, like, an affluent northeastern family. Cause the- like, it's the same kind of flaws. Like, 
why the idiot son that plays lacrosse is the only security you have there. Yeah, like, he's, like, over the top, it seems. But I don't know if I've ever seen anything more unsettling than the daughter who eats cereal by eating dry cereal and then taking a sip of milk after From a straw. Where it's like, that's a cereal killer right there. Like, if you ever saw her do that in real life, presumably she doesn't when she's playing the part of trying to, like, hook people in. Um, but yeah, and you don't see her run to catch up to the car, but she must have just been bolting down that driveway to oh, catch yeah. up to that car before it finally breaks down. But no, I like Get Out a lot. I was supremely like impressed by it. Definitely a uh, really worthy pick. Absolutely deserves to be there, but uh, I, I wouldn't give it best pick, but I, I did like it a lot. All right, Excited uh, to see Jordan Peele's next thing, for sure. Yeah. All right. Roman J. Israel Esquire. Did not see. I did see this. Did you? Yes, I saw Roman J. Israel Esquire. Uh, you were going to fucking kick my tits in if Denzel Washington <laughs> gets the Oscar for this. You know what? I will say this. That's probably the best part of the movie. Because he does... The play. opposite of last year when I saw Fences and you didn't. <laughs> and yeah, I definitely saw the more black progressive movies this year, so I'm not the racist. I saw Get Out. I <laughs> <laughs> you did see this one. Um, now, uh, I will say uh, Denzel Washington plays a great role. It's like definitely worthy of being in the Best Actor nominee category for a movie that I think could have been a nominee if it didn't just suck the life out of you by the end for like a completely odd ending for what the rest of the movie is. So the premise is that he plays this this um, attorney, well, Roman J. Israel Esquire, who works at this law office that seems to work primarily with, like, lower-income families, uh, like, playing defense for these people who can't afford it. Like the uh, southern paw, the, law, the poor Similar, law. but he, yeah. he lives in L.A. Like, it's it's based on the idea that, like, his office kind like of... Like the UCLA like kind of? Yeah, and he was original, like, back in his day, he was a civil rights activist, was working on civil rights law. And the start of the movie is that the main attorney there has a heart attack and goes into a coma. So he he asked like he's normally the guy in the background who does all the background stuff and the other guy is the guy who actually goes to cases. Because Roman's a bit of like they call him a savant. He's definitely got like a very weird sense of social skills that make him just sort of weird to function in everyday situations. Like the dude for a while you think this is like set in the seventies because he's walking around with, like, these old-ass headphones in, and then you see, like, this giant, bulky iPod, where he's like, I got 800 songs on that, man. Don't, you know, don't take that through the x-ray. And then you find out it's set in modern day, and he's just using, like, crazy old technology because he's just one of those... Like, he always uses a very ill-fitting suit. He's always kind of, like... Like, has a giant afro that never seems fully combed. Uh, just a very strange kind of character, but very interesting. And the movie's worth it to follow his story at the start, because it's about him, like, now that he's taken out of this, this situation, he's trying to, like, reconcile his moral compass with the idea that, like, to survive, he has to take in different jobs, and he's not a people person. Like, he's, like, autistic, kind of? He's not autistic, he's just, he's one of those weird guys who doesn't have social skills, and is not going to sit quietly. Like, he doesn't let injustice go. Like, uh, so Colin Farrell basically hires him. He was a friend of his uh, former mentor and, like, basically takes him on. And one of the first scenes is two guys kind of, like, making a joke about the fact that, like, one, like somebody couldn't afford their payments or something like that. 
So he's like, he's eating a peanut butter and honey sandwich, which is an entire fridge at one point you see. It's like two shelves. So sticky. Yeah, he's a weird guy like that. And he just has some line. He's like, cockroaches always scatter when somebody says something or when the lights come on. And like the guy's like, I'm the senior fucking lawyer here. Like, do you have any idea what that means? Just him like, whatever. And just walking away. It's just like, it almost torpedoes his career at this place. Because he just immediately makes like an enemy of the second most powerful person there. Hmm. But the weird part is that like he goes to try to get this one guy out of prison who he was part of like an armed robbery where they shot an Armenian clerk. The guy who he's going to try to defend did not do the shooting, knows where the shooter is. And he's like, look, try to get me a deal. Get me out of here. I know where the guy is. He tries to give that information to the DA. DA doesn't give him a good enough of a deal. So he keeps pushing it to the point where she takes the entire deal off the table and just completely fucks the guy over. Then he finds out the guy got stabbed because he gave too much information away. So the kid's dead, and Roman's like, well, now what do I do? I guess I'll give up where that guy was, because he told me, to collect the reward money the Armenian community's putting out there. I'm going to go out and live like a king for a while. Wait, the Armenian community's putting out for what? To find out where the... To find out where the guy who actually shot the clerk went. The snitch? No, because the, the, the guy... Oh, the guy... There's two of them. So One she's the still clerk, alive. The yeah. one he's given up? Yeah, the one who he's giving up is still alive and not in custody. Okay. So he's, like, they, like there's a $100,000 reward out for information about him. So he gives that guy up. Are these guys black? The two that yeah. they, okay. Gives that guy up, and then he goes off and, like, lives in Tahiti for, like, a couple days. What like the gets himself fuck? Gets himself, like, a well-fitted suit, gets, like, his hair done nice, comes back. Has, like, a new attitude where he's much more willing to play by the rules. Becomes, like, a great popular member of, like, Colin Farrell's attorney group. And then... He still has a job with that firm? Yeah, and it turns around completely. They're, like, laughing along with his jokes and stuff now. Like, even the senior vice, like, the senior lawyer there is just like, (laughs) Like the the old fuddy-duddies. Yeah, like, you're just like, this is so strange. At one point, they, they, like, Romans has this argument with, with Colin Fear earlier on in the movie where he's like, the systematic racism within the Justice Department, I have a class action lawsuit I've been working on for 50 years. I've been putting together with cases that I've been taking all this time. Someone like you, you could file it with me. I need your resources to put this all together. And Colin Farrell's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about because you're just insane half the time. Like, just get your shit together. So that all passes by. Eventually, they find they... Oh, is that, like, the high point? Like, the right before the arc? Yeah, like, that's, like, the right before arc. He's like, we gotta do this. And then everything crashes down, so he sells that one guy out. That's, that's like, the push it to the limit song in Scarface, where, like, everything's going great. (laughs) It's such an odd movie. By the way, it's only a two-hour movie. It feels like seven and a half hours. It, It drags so long. And the way it, like, starts to wrap up is they get another client, they go down to the police station, it turns out it's the guy who we gave up to the Armenians. He's in prison now, and the guy knows that Roman's the guy who gave him up, because he's like, the whatever the guy, Bucky, I don't know, I don't remember what his name is, but he's like, Bucky only told one person, his cellmate said, and it was you. So I know it's you, and I'm gonna get you. No matter what, you're done. So Roman starts freaking out. 
Uh, like, there's a bunch of paranoid scenes where he's, like, driving, sees a car behind him, starts freaking out about it. Benji has, like, this conversation in the desert with the love interest in the movie. And I guess after that, finally, is like, the only way to go is forward no matter what. So he goes, stops wearing his nice suits, goes, like, puts on the shaggy ones again, lets his hair afro up again, starts being a dick for, like, one day. And he, like, the cops know he did it now because word's spreading that he took the money. And he's like, I'm going to go turn myself in. And Colin Farrell's, like, trying to chase him down. And as he's heading off to the police station, some guy jumps out of his car, follows after him, shoots him dead before he can get to the police station. And the end of the movie is Colin Farrell now having taken the resources, putting that class action lawsuit together and filing it at the District Supreme Court. And that's the end of it. To do what? To, I guess, change the government system. Like, he's like, your legacy will live on regardless. It's Legacy of what? (laughs) I don't know, because it's a strange movie where he doesn't seem... Like, he learns his lesson, but... He doesn't even get the chance to redeem himself. What's the legacy? He doesn't redeem himself. That's (laughs) what's surprising. Like, he's... And it's so hard, because he's almost like, um... Like, Bray Wyatt from WWE, where he's like, at points you you can hear him talking, and words are coming out, but they don't seem to even make sense anymore. Like, he's, he's one of those guys that almost speaks philosophically all the time. And by the end of the movie, he's, like, so far gone from any sense of what you could follow his morality train as that he's just like, sometimes talking's the only thing we can do. And you're right sometimes, and sometimes you're conflicted, and you're wrong. But all you can do is just be right. And you're just like, what is happening anymore? Has this only been an hour since I started this? Did you ever see Informant with Matt Damon? That's uh, an amazing example of just what you're talking about, where he just says, like, crazy things, where he's like, um... You know, the stewardess gives you a flight magazine, but it's a bunch of stuff you can't buy until you land. So why are you giving me this? Because I don't, I don't, I don't know what the point of that is. It's like, look, it's an interesting movie. It's, <laughs> it's almost like three billboards, except it, it sounds even less interesting. Well, like the thing is that there's some interesting stuff it puts in there. Because like at one scene, he goes to speak at a civil. Um, civil activism group and he goes to speak there about legal terms and he like shows up he's like puffed his afro out really big it's something he did like when he was younger and he's like getting the chance to do it again those all the commercial shots i saw was him with an afro yeah and he's going in to talk about it and he stops midway he's like yo why am i seeing brothers sitting when there's some sisters standing and the two women are just like we're not just sisters don't gender us and put your misogyny on us and he's like oh no, it's like not. real modern yeah it's oh. real modern and he starts being like no i'm not what are you talking and they start going back and forth and they fight and he leaves like in anger afterwards and it's kind of interesting to see that this idea of like somebody who was a civil rights activist in his time this now old, having to adjust yeah. the fact that like what certain this old kind want. of guard isn't Ready for what woke means necessarily, or, or just like they're like almost the priorities have started to shift yeah. in different ways. And there's interesting parts like that. At one point, I was on the right side, and now, yeah. now all of a sudden, and it's 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 fascinating to see it from that way. And again, like Denzel Washington's fantastic in it; he's he's absolutely incredible. But like the like the last two thirds of the movie just they're so long, and you're just like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> Uh, I liked it, but that's, yeah, I can see, like, if it were a more... Also, it, out, it sounds a lot like Fences last year. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's yeah. like, it sounds like a great performance wrapped around a kind of weird story. Yeah, I probably. Yeah. All right, we got two left. And you know one of them. One of them's Ladybird. What the fuck is this other one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll well, this is Ladybird. I can read it to the thing. All right, so Ladybird. Look 
amazing. Love Lady Bird. I loved it. I adored it. I loved it. Um, I'll throw it three billboards was uh, by far my favorite. Lady Bird was right up there, and I'd say followed up by uh, by Get Out. That's uh, Get Out and Lady Bird definitely up there. I think I also enjoyed um, Darkest Hour a lot, and we'll put that kind of near it. But uh, Lady Bird I enjoyed immensely. Uh, part of the reason I think I like it, it deals a lot with like Catholicism. Catholic school, growing up from a family that didn't have money. Yeah. It's got a lot of, and it's 2002, so it's right, it's it's that bridge right between you and me. Yeah. Where it's like, I graduated in 2000, you graduated, what, 2000? 2007. Yeah, so it was kind of right in there, and you see them, like, when she's in her brother's room, like, trying to be on the internet, like, get out, the computer time's done. <laughs> and it's like, that was completely our family. Yeah, oh, there's absolutely a level of that. I'm very interested if Terry sees it because a big part of the movie is the idea of like a teenage daughter growing up with like a very tumultuous relationship with their mother. Yeah, that was a lot of stuff I appreciated but didn't understand really yeah, as much. Like, I can't make that connection. But I, like, what's really nice is it's it's a story of a teenage girl coming of age. Um, deals a lot with a lot of... By an actress I think is going to be a big deal for a while. Riona, so, something super Reese Irish. Yeah. Like What's astonishing, too, is how effectively she really is convincing as a teenager. She has to be, like, in her mid to late 20s at this point, I feel like. Uh, I think she's, like, 22, 23. She feels like she is 16 at times. Like just And grew up Irish. Grew up English, Irish. And she does a pretty good... Like, you don't... I don't detect any problem with the accent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed in that way. And I like a lot of the small, subtle stuff, too. Like, they make a reference to the fact that like, their dad suffers from depression. But it's not, like, the plot line of the movie. No, and he's the most upbeat character in that family. Yeah. And when you see that play something... From what like, you've seen, I I do feel like they probably cut out some stuff that might maybe kind of showed that he was depressed. You never saw any of it. I, I just, I love the way it told that story. Like, there's also the part with the, um... When the mom points out that it's like... You know, your dad knows that you drop him, that you make him drop you off away from school because you're embarrassed of our car. And she's like, Dad, I never wanted you to know that. It's like, oh, that's so crushing. Oh, it's heartbreaking. That's, that, that relationship that he has with his daughter, too, that's 100% why I want to have, like, daughters when I get old. Like, if I have kids. Where it's just like, that's the relationship. Hey, your your mom's such a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily that. But that's what it is. That's what it is for a teenage daughter, though. That's what the dad is. The dad swarms in, like, I know your mom gives you a bunch of shit. (laughs) But that, because that's what the mom is for the, you know, like, our dad wasn't around a lot, so we didn't get that as much. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what's what do you mean a relationship? Sons don't have relationships. Just with fathers, yeah. Well, virgin? I try and have dad subtly call you a faggot while you're taking out the trash. <laughs> you might get a little bit more of like mom being like, to, You're my best little boy. <laughs> I feel like it makes a lot more sense. Uh, but I also love like there's the, the moment where they show the, the father who teaches them acting. I believe is going in to discuss his depression problems, and you never see him again. Uh, yeah, that. I don't like, know. Was that like a suicide attempt he had? I maybe think so because they like it's her being like, "Have you ever reached out to anyone before?" Like, no. And like when the yeah. like the football coach is talking about him, just like, "Hey, we're all hope he's doing well." So Which is such a cool Catholic school thing. Like, I think I was the generation right after that where like. Most of my school, most of our schooling, it wasn't priests or nuns. No, I think I have five or six nuns. There was a fair amount, and no priests teaching no. classes. Outside of Father Mahoney teaching, like, 
father's edge. But that was right before us, was that generation of like, oh, hey, here's the Catholic basketball coach coming to teach you theater. (laughs) And that was it, because that's Catholic schooling. Like, they don't have to, there's no, like, state restrictions they really have to adhere to. It's like, you get through this, and we decide how you get through this. And maybe the kickball coach comes in and teaches you hygiene. And yeah. Uh, and what I think, like, just thinking about pull it back for a moment, I would almost just watch an entire movie of the football coach trying to teach Oh, him. he was great. It's a hysterical well, scene. You gotta rush to the front, and then you gotta go, yeah! When the gay kid, like, nails that performance, and he's like, yeah! Woo! <laughs> yeah. Him, like, being, like, X's and O's, like, and now eight, nine, ten, you're coming in from the right! Small, the, small the, lines means you're coming in from this side. Small lines means this. I would love to know if that coach knew he was gay. Because in 2002, he had to have. Oh, yeah. That was another, but it's, like, such a well-acted movie, too. Like, just the performances are great. Like, the scene of him coming out to her... Well, not coming out, like, because obviously she saw it in the bathroom. But him coming to her to apologize and the way that's treated... That's like, the most heart-wrenching moment I've seen out, out of any movie this year. It's just him crying on top. Like, please yeah. don't tell anyone. Please, please don't, tell, don't anyone. tell anyone. Yeah, and just how much it would just You know, and 2002 was, like, the end of that kind of era of, like, this... I mean... There's always a family that could ruin you in, sadly, even oh, yeah. now. It's still even, it, it, like, in that family now, knowing how much, like, his grandmother loved him and things like and that. And with the Ra- pictures of Reagan on the wall, yeah. And, but they go to a Catholic school, so who That could still happen, but that that is quickly dying out uh, amongst people, as, as you, these older people die out. But to still see that kind of, like, yeah, when I was a kid, I could imagine that would still be something. Oh, there were definitely super gay kids when I was in school who were not out. But you saw Sacramento. There wasn't, like, a a roaming gang of, like, skinheads beating up gay people. No, but it was just that thing. But but that's almost the thing. Like, in, in like, an Irish Catholic family, like, it's still, like, you know, Catholicism still deems it a sin. It's almost that thing you're trying to work through. Just, like, no, I can't. It can't be true this way if it is. What does that mean? My family's going to hate me for it. Yeah. Like, there's definitely an aspect that... You can tell, you don't... Because when you were a kid, you're just sitting there like, yeah, 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 queers, love cock, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm not part of that. But you can imagine if you were a gay kid in that class, like, oh, God, I am evil, aren't I? Or just like... Or even if you're not even thinking you're evil, you're just like, <laughs> my parents are going to think I'm wrong. Yeah. Things like that. Like, it's it's heartbreaking. To see someone scene. crumble, that guy completely crumbles on that scene. This chickie's... He fucked over, basically. He yeah, lied he to her. He let her on for a very long time, you know. Her, her first love. Yeah. And he basically lied to her the whole time. And not to get, like, it, it's not like he was off in the, the mountains of the Alps, like, caught with his gay lover. Like, you were making out in the bathroom of the restaurant you were there with her at. Like, mm-hmm. you, didn't, you, didn't, you, weren't, you didn't put that much effort into, like, not getting caught and you got caught. And she didn't fuck you over. That would have been... I was like, if she fucks him over in this, that's going to oh. completely change my change my opinion of this movie. No, what I like is that it is very much like a feel-good movie. Uh, I I'll, I didn't lose it at any point, but I almost did lose it when you see, like, the dad had put together all the le- various letters the mom's been trying to put together to try to, like, connect the bridge, but she just can't find the words for it. And mm-hmm. you see her flipping through it. Like, I paused the screen a couple of times to read it. And you could see how hard it is. Yeah. It's it's a very emotional movie in that way. I know I've heard some criticisms on the idea of just, like, the forgiveness of it or, like, how harsh parenting is, like, 
said like that's the strong way of doing it or things like that. And I don't think that's the point of the movie. It's it's about this connection that's sort of made between the generations trying to understand one another and like get it. Because I, I, I do love that it's like the idea like the mom really does love her. Yeah. It's just it's tough love. It's, I mean that's the story. It's, it's a mother and a daughter. A mother and a high school daughter. Like the movie starts with them crying at the same time over listening to the Grapes of Wrath. Like it is a connecting moment to show yeah. like they are two two similar people in the same heart. They're just needing a different way to communicate with each other, and I thought that was really interesting to follow and see. Like, it's not a movie that changes my mind in any way, but or, or like, changes the world, but it's just, like, a really enjoyable film to, like, watch. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it, by far the most hard... The, the moment... The movie that touched my heart the most, absolutely. Yeah. Not even close for anything else. All right, do we want to finish this off? We're going to do pecs? No, we got one more. Oh. Have you forgotten Phantom Thread already? Oh my god. <laughs> I wish I had. <laughs> we haven't been very negative. Alright, let's so do Phantom far. Thread. Let's do, we'll do the synopsis. Sentence, sentence. Okay. <laughs> you do a sentence, I'll do a sentence. So, it's the story of a gay dressmaker who meets a girl that he leads on to thinking he's straight. <laughs> 45 minutes pass by. <laughs> and they're... Do they actually get married? <laughs> Alright, whatever. Alright, we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep this up. They get married and fall pretty quickly into the old married I'm tired of you syndrome. There's a hilarious scene where he crushes her in backgammon and then demands she leave the table for his next opponent to come by when there is none. And then just continues a movie of uh, them being sort of into each other and not sort of being into each other until she finds a remedy? She finds that she can poison him and make him sick, and that brings out his vulnerable side and thus rekindles their romance. And you think maybe one of them will snap out of this and realize it's an unhealthy relationship, but no, that's the end of the movie, and they're just going to continue that forever. <laughs> the end. Oh, wait. No, hold on. Another hour and a half had to go by. And no, first. wait. <laughs> no, another seven hours. That, that's how long the movie was, right? It was astonishingly long. I, I mentioned that when I did uh, Roman J. Israel, that it's like a movie that felt long. But this one <clears> felt like similarly, and we had two of us here making fun of it the entire time, and it still felt like it went on for like five hours. Look, I'll, I'll say it. Daniel Day-Lewis, best actor of my lifetime. Like, as far as the guy that's had continue, I like Lawrence Olivier, I think, died like 30 years ago, like technically during my lifetime. There, I'm sure there's been other actors that are just as great, but as far as like their catalog during my lifetime, hands down, Daniel Day Lewis. And I put probably Denzel Washington up there too as like a second. Yeah. But phenomenal. Phenomenal. And there's certain points of this movie he makes it worth it. This movie's just so boring and so dry and would never have even made anyone's radar if it didn't have Daniel Day-Lewis in it. Oh, that's 100% true. Like, there's no chance. Like, it's one of those things that when it was coming out to our theater, I asked our managers, like, what is, like, what's the movie about? And, like, he's reading it. I'm like, 
There's got to be a ghost in it, something. And this title, this title's bullshit. This title is bullshit. It's it's a very artistic, like phantom thread. Like, what's the phantom? Oh, the phantoms. They're in and out, waning love relationship. I'm like, it should have been called a dull marriage. That's what this movie should have been called. It should have been called Seven Good Daniel Day Lewis Jabs, and then another hour and a half of a movie where you're just like, oh my god. It's so long and boring. I couldn't pick the chick that was in this movie out of a lineup. It's it's, and I want to stress, it's not that it's like, oh, well, you guys are just dudes. You don't care about romance movies. I love Brooklyn. This like, isn't a romance movie. This like, is a gay guy. It, it's just, it's so dry. Like I love Brooklyn because they added a character and flavor to it. There is nothing in this movie. This is a gay guy with fun. no chemistry at all with this chick outside of one scene of them kissing in the rain after she shits on somebody. There's no, there's no chemistry. You don't get why they like each other. You don't get why people hang around him. It's almost like a little part of a movie, like, oh, it's watching. Oh, you get why people hang around with him because he's a world acclaimed. Yeah, like he's a master fabric designer or whatever. But, like, just that notion still of just, he's such an unpleasant person. Like, it would have been a more interesting movie if you were just focusing on him and his secretary. It feels like. assistant that he worked It feels like a, a producer of, like, a big movie was like, get Daniel Day Lewis in here. I want him to read for something crazy. And he found a, a script in the garbage that he was like, Mm, I'm much more interested in doing this. They're like, well, we're not really interested in doing that. They're like, well, you're going to do this. You're not getting me. And they became, that became a movie. I'm not saying there's not like an interesting movie in this. It's technically very skilled. It's so performance based. It's hard to find much enjoyment in this. Like, here's the thing. If you had took Daniel Day-Lewis out of this and you put him in like Darkest Hour or something like that, like it's that same thing of like he's in that. You're like, Oh, this is just a much more interesting movie with a great performance in it. Yeah. If you had replaced Daniel Day Lewis with anyone else in this movie, it wouldn't. You just you you'd be like, this was astonishingly boring. Like I don't know why they made this. Yeah. It's only worth astonishingly it. boring is the better title for this. Yeah, it's it's incredible that it gets as much accolade as it. Like is. if I was alt writer and I was trying to lead like a, a an area nation meeting, I would have just done it in the the theater for Phantom Thread because there's no way I would have run into a it black person. Pretty, it was pretty empty. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you that. I would have never run into anybody of any color, and any white person still would have been like, "What is this?" What the thing too is like this really because despite the fact that we're doing this all based on the Oscar movies and everything like that, it's still one of those things. The Oscars are incredibly out of touch. Like, there's news stories out now where a lot of Oscar, uh, not panelists, what do they call them, the um, council, what's what's the name of the Oscar committee? The Oscar committee. committee. Are like, Get Out is an Oscar nominee movie and are dismissing it, not even watching it. And you're like, that's 100% what the movie's almost talking about, how you just dismiss something. You awarded it based on the idea it was progressive about race, but you're not actually giving yeah, it. Yeah, this is the example of the opposite, and this, yeah. And this is exact, Phantom Thread is exactly the kind of movie the Oscars play. Like, last like, year, the movie, cares? I was like, how do you not nominate Beasts of No Nation for anything? Mm-hmm. And this hand, uh, like, Beasts of No Nation absolutely deserved to be in it. Maybe even consideration for Best Picture. Yeah. Didn't make it. This movie, like, it, without Daniel Day-Lewis, this thing would have never gotten anywhere. Anywhere. I would say I it would have never even showed up in America. I, Tanya, definitely should have been nominated ahead of this. I would definitely say Logan yeah. should have been nominated ahead of this. Like, yeah. It, it's one of those things where, like, look, and I'm not saying it just because I'm a comic book nerd fan. I'm just like, 
Phantom Thread doesn't give you that much of an interesting story. The only thing it does is it's visually nice. It's slow and drawn out, which I get that's kind of what Daniel Day-Lewis wants. Yeah. uh, You know, because he spends three or four months in these characters. Or not No Country for Old Men. There will be blood. This isn't something This isn't There Will Be Blood. This isn't Lincoln, where there's a driving thing behind that that still keeps it moving. There's nothing that keeps this moving. It's not even like that much of a story of this dressmaker. Like if there no, there's more, no pinnacle. There's like no there's, pinnacle. There's, yeah, it's not like I must create my master dress. It's like I must be in this relationship, and who knows where it goes? It probably should end. We're not in a healthy relationship. No. But like you almost think there's a story. Like she keeps getting interviewed. Like it cuts away to her being interviewed, and you're like, oh, is this because she killed him, or their relationship broke up, and why it happened is the entry. No, they're still together at the end of it. They've reached a happiness in the idea that she'll constantly poison him, make him bedridden, and thus they'll fall in love again. But that, yeah, the thing about the, like, Daniel Day-Lewis style of kind of, like, absorbing him into, absorbing himself into the persona and kind of, like, hitting all the intricacies that worked in, like, There Will Be Blood and Lincoln because there was, there's a, a goal. Mm-hmm. There's, like, passing the 13th Amendment. There's, yeah you know, reaching an end to there will be blood and, like, conquering his enemies. There's none of that in this, and it's just a long, drawn-out kind of thing that's got some great one-liners, but... There's no climax to it. There's no point where you're like, fuck, like a crescendo to everything. You're just like, when does this end? Like, it's so drawn. And it ends with the most fucked-up thing where it's like, this is this shitty relationship, and this is... Yeah. It's... I'm glad we could end it on the one we were both like, man, what a shitty movie. I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Please, uh, I guarantee there's less than a 0.01% chance of him listening to this. Please <laughs> don't make this your last movie. Please, this was a great performance. Please don't make this your last movie. There's a better... I'm it, not talking about you need to be Lincoln again, but there's a, a better storyline than this. For someone of his caliber... To, like, this be the end of his... Forgot. And, but how, let's talk about it. How great... Well, okay, we can save this for the best actor thing. Because we got the picks Yeah, well, so we'll do our picks now. So you, I mean, you've already won the bet. You saw more than I did. I think by two. No, the bet's the Oscar picks. Is it? Like, who I wins? I was seeing more of the movies. No, it was who... Oh, okay. It was picking who wins. Okay, fine. So we're going off that? Yeah. So we'll start with best pick. What are you picking? Oh, best picture? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with... I wanted to go with Shape of Water, but since I didn't see it, I'm gonna go with Three Billboards. Fuck. I was gonna go with Three Billboards. You can. That's fine. We already have a contingency in place in case we tie. <clears throat> Alright, I'm gonna go with Best Billboards. Uh, what are you going for Best Actor? Actor, I'm gonna go with... Oh, I need to remind... Oh, I'm gonna go Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. I'm gonna go with... I, I liked Gary Oldman in this, but I think the... The like um, Nutty Professor Fat Suit. There's like three or four scenes. It's not bad overall, but there's like a couple of scenes in Darkest Hour where you look at him like it's clearly a fat suit, and this yeah, looks ridiculous. It's distracting for me, but they, I think the Academy will overlook it. Like it's such a good performance in the movie that I think they're gonna. Get I think they. I, to, in my mind, it's between him and and Daniel Day Lewis, yeah. and I I think Daniel Day Lewis will get it. Okay, and for. Best actress, I'm going to give it to uh, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Fuck. All right, I think we need to do a trivia thing or something. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, if, if our big thing is who wins Best Actor, because you have Daniel Day Lewis and I have Gary Oldman. So if one of the two, if one of the two of them win it, 
That doesn't okay, matter. That's true. We don't need a trivia that. thing. All right, yeah, because I, I, I uh, who's up for best actress? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Uh, Frances McDormand, the woman from Shape of Water. Uh, Margot Robbie. Chick from Lady Bird's not on it, right? And Cyrus Rosling from Lady Bird, yes. She should be. I don't think she'll win. She should so. be. I think she should be. I think I think all the ones that I saw were definitely worthy of it. Uh, you know, I like Frances McDormand a lot. I loved Margot Robbie. I loved Cyrus Rosling. I think all of them were really good. Oh, man. I'm really... Uh, I'm really mixed between Margot Robbie or Frances McDormand. Hmm. Hmm. You can make an interesting go with Margot Robbie. Do you think there's any chance Margot Robbie wins that? I think so. I don't think it's her age that's going to put her back, because, I mean, Emma's fucking stone won it last year for La La Land, so it's definitely a possibility. Hmm. Ah, this is so tough. <laughs> no, keep deciding. It's great air. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. The people are on the edge of their seat. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to go with Francis McDormand, though. Okay, I think. so everything's going to come down to who wins between Gary Oldman or Daniel Day Lewis for us, then. Yeah, who has to see the Emoji Movie? I mean, I like what's it, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya is it Kaluuya? I, I think it's on the same thing. The guy from Get Out. Yeah, I like him, but it, it's not enough. Just because there's so much going on during that is so much suspense. I don't think he'll get it. I think he absolutely should. I think the Academy's never going to give it to him. I would give it to him for that crying scene. I need to know it's real, though, and it's not like they lead they tears on him. Because he look. I mean, that's the scene you see everywhere. But he's so good in everything else, too. Like, I love how low-key can play it so casual, but there's a lot that's kind of played off in yeah, his Yeah, I'm just waiting to stab back. you right in the back, Black Panther. Yeah, like, it's... it's I, I <laughs> He just mixes all of his parts together. I'm just waiting to fuck you right in the ass. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think he's great. I just think the Academy's not going to give it to him. Okay. Um, and then neither of us saw Call Me By Your Name, so we really can't say anything to the guy. I don't think it's going to win. It looks so gay, didn't it? <laughs> I don't think that's a reason to hold it against it. Well, no. I'll, I'll... Here's the thing. If that had been a guy and a woman in anything, like younger guy, older woman, or whatever, I still wouldn't have been interested in seeing it. I don't know. Like, here's the thing. It, it may be on a similar lane to Phantom Thread, where maybe it's just not that interesting, but maybe it's also more like Brooklyn. I don't know. Maybe it's a more interesting movie than what it seems like on paper. I just didn't watch it, so I'm really not gonna. I'm not gonna speak to it against it or for it. It could be an amazing movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't see it. All right, so we'll see. So the big thing is who wins Best Actor, which could be done. That could be one of the first nominations. It might be. There's usually Best Actor or Actress usually right off the bat. So we'll see if which that's... is going to be. Uh, the consequences. Could you just run down what's up for worst Razzies? <laughs> Uh, well, we didn't, we didn't, we decided on this last time. We're not doing all of them. It's, I th- the movies we're doing are Chips, The Emoji Movie, and Transformers Last Night. Oh those my are the three God. have to see. Oh, all <laughs> those are the three you have to see if you lose. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna be like, if Robbo, if Robbo, Margot, Margot Robbie wins, he's just gonna hear a gunshot in the bedroom. <laughs> Immediately I could have slammed this door on you. <laughs> You know what? If you're feeling more confident, you could go with Gary Oldman as well, and just it's automatically going to go down to the trivia contest. I'll be honest, Gary Oldman shouldn't win. You don't think he should win? 
No. So you're saying you shouldn't. Okay. No, I, I gotta, you know what? I, would I, not be upset I don't like, I don't like the movie, but that. Daniel Day-Lewis Phantom Thread, I think it's a better performance. It's, here's the thing. It's hard for me to ever say, because it's a subjective thing. It's not like saying he threw the ball. The of course, course, yeah. So it's one of those things where I'm like, is the person, it, would I be upset if they won? And I would not be upset if Gary Oldman won. I'm like, no, it makes sense. I think he's good in it. He's not maybe the most amazing. I saw the exact same movie 10 years ago but, done better. So yeah. that's why I'm kind of like, but nobody saw that, I guess, that's voting for the Oscars. But or I, nobody I love, gives a shit. I love the performance of Gary Oldman. The fact that I was like, at never any point did I ever say, but that's just Gary Oldman. That's the problem I always had with Tom Hanks, where no matter. Oh, Tom, he did tons of times. Every time he like folded his chin, you saw that like plaster. But no, no, I don't mean up. that. I like the fat suit I recognize, but that it's that thing that I have with Tom Hanks, where every movie Tom Hanks is ever in, no matter how good he is, I'm always like consciously aware like it's Tom Hanks. Yeah, the post is completely that. Yeah, and that's I never had that with this movie. I was like, I felt like I was very separated from Gary Oldman through it. You know, like it, it was just nice to kind of lose yourself in that immersion almost. All right, now our picks are locked in. Look up what uh, what who got best actor for Golden Globe? Best actor Golden Globe twenty eighteen. Wonder Woman. <laughs> Three billboards, one for best movie or best drama, I should say. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, actress was Frances McDormand, and actor was Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour. Hmm. All right, well, we shall see. Oh, God, I really don't want to see the Emoji movie. <laughs> it looks so terrible. <laughs> Which one's the one that frightens you the most? Because Chips, I heard, is terrible as well. Um... I think Chips- Emoji Movie, because, uh, you know, I've always been, like, a fan of, like, animation, so I think, like, visually it'll keep me in and just disappoint me more and more as it goes <laughs> along. Knowing James Corden's going to be in it for such a character. Oh, God, I'm going to have to sit around and wait for James Corden. <laughs> like, it's going to be that lifesaver that's like an anvil that just hits me in the head. All right, so we're already past an hour 30 on this, and we're going to be recording our reactions this afterwards. So we're going to wrap this up here. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing the post-Oscar results and which one of us has to watch those three movies. Is this going to be just one podcast? Yeah, it's going to be one podcast. So we will be back in just a moment here.